0: How much of the Lord is enough? (laughs) How much do you want, Brother Joey? Someone asked me, a minister, someone I look up to asked me one time, said, How much is enough? How much do you want? My answer to them was, more. More, amen? More of the Lord God Almighty. Church, I want to tell you, that's what we need in our lives. We need more of God's presence. More of God's discipleship, more of God's wisdom, more of God's knowledge, more of God's guidance, more of God's power, amen, to where we don't have a choice because the Lord God Almighty, who knows all, who is all, leads us, amen. We should walk after Him in His Spirit, amen. And the Bible tells us that you and I will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It will eradicate all of our problems, all of our issues if we had more of the Lord. Less of this world and more of God. That's what Christ had that hunger and thirst for, what I was talking about earlier. He had a thirst, a hunger for more of mankind. You and I should have a hunger and thirst for more of God. Amen, Hallelujah! Give him some praise on that, my Lord. That's powerful this morning. Mm. Where's Brother Kirby at? Brother Kirby's got an announcement this morning to make.
1: I'm not outrageously fond of being up here, but I did, I did make this choice, this decision, without being uh, pushed into it. But uh, how many of you know that? preparation precedes progress that's an old saying of many years ago i, don't, I heard it a long time ago but i was speaking to him i'm gonna try to i'm gonna try to get bring this together i don't have a teleprompter up there so y'all have to forgive me but uh i was speaking with doug there a while ago, and doug in the process of building him a camp doug how many times you built that camp already a bunch, huh? A bunch, because he's preparing. He's getting ready. He's he's giving it thought. He's you know he's he's focused. But anyway, uh, I got a nephew there that's a uh, carpenter by craft, and he builds houses. And I guarantee you every house that he builds, he builds that house, you know, before he ever drives a nail. He he builds that. A, and any of you that do. Any kind of uh, work or stuff of that nature, but uh, but preparation precedes progress. You gotta you gotta know what you're doing. But I'm saying that to get to this. Some of most of you know our previous pastor and his wife, sister, brother, and sister Taylor. Awesome. If, you, if, if, if you're new here and you didn't get to know them. He missed out on a blessing. But his desire for many years, and he said he said more than one time, and most of you can attest to this that knew him. He's the curb, he said I want the next pastor that that comes to this church to be a to pastor of this church. I would like for them to be full time and not have to out on a secular job, but devote all their attention and their time to the body of Christ, to the church. And that was his desire. And I'm reminded, I was uh, looking in scripture earlier uh, about David and Solomon. The Lord told David that it was in David's heart to build a temple. But the Lord said, you're not the man to build the temple. He said, your son Solomon going to build the temple. And David, David didn't take offense at that at all. In fact, I was reading where David started gathering stuff up to build the temple. If you read, I think it's in the last chapter of, of the Chronicles, one of them, he donated out of his own treasury, out of his own pocket, you may say, a hundred and ten tons of of gold, two hundred and sixty tons of silver, and uh, it's a substantial amount. And, and it was dedicated to the temple for use uh, uh, to build the temple. Well I would like to say that not only brother and sister Taylor, but you got people that's, uh, that supported this church and been a part of this church for many, many years. But brother and sister Taylor laid the foundation; they set the stage. They helped to. And they, if you were a part of this church, you learned to give. You learned to pay tithes. You learned to play, uh, you, you learned to give missions. If you were in this church for any length of time, that was, that was just their life. They gave in abundance. And, uh, but, I want to bring that into focus before I tell you what's, what's happening now. But, uh, like I said, his passion, his desire was the next pastor that steps into these shoes he said, I would like for them this church to be able to support him as a full time pastor well, whoever may not know Brother Joy through much prayer seeking God and you know, being sensitive to God's timing and to what he was speaking to his heart. Brother Joey's last day with Weyerhaeuser was Friday. So we, I'm, I'm excited to be a part of the kingdom of God, but I am excited to be a part of Unity Prayer Center at this time. I think it's a it's a vision that has came to pass and or, or is in is coming to pass you know he he's been an active pastor for for quite a while now but uh he had spoke to us and you know, i spoke to him more than one time about this i said brother it's not we're not pushing we're not you know uh uh Trying to uh, uh, force you into anything, I said. But it's God's timing. And when it's God's timing, if you feel like that's what the Lord wants you to do, I'm behind you. And I think this church needs to be be behind it. If you come here to church, and this is your this is what you call your church, this is where you. Uh, uh, serve the Lord and and part of the kingdom of God I think it's three things that that are needed your presence your prayers, and your pocketbook all three is needed to be to help this church grow and and to prosper to uh, I I heard it said many years ago uh, Lord uh, you give us a pastor if you keep him humble we'll keep him poor but uh, we don't we don't want that we want to bless our pastor we want to we uh, 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 help encourage him and pray for him we want to help fulfill his dreams and his passions for this church and he does have a he does have a passion for this church for this, for this body so I'm very happy to announce our full-time pastor, Brother Joy Mack.
0: Church, I'm just so tickled this morning I could just run and scream and shout. Amen. Amen. Not so much about myself, amen, but about what God is doing at Unity Prayer Center. We're in a time of movement. We're in a time of transition. But my Lord, what a great place to be, amen? If the children of Israel would have realized it, the best place for them to be was out there in that desert for four years, amen? And I'll tell you why. Because the Lord was leading and guiding them every step of the way. The presence of God was literally visible unto them amen it is a wonderful time that we're in right now it's a time of transition it's a time of growth who knows what god is going to do with unity prayer center when i say unity prayer center i'm not talking about this building and this land i'm talking about you your unity prayer center the bible tells us that we are the temple of god amen do you not know that god's spirit dwells within each and every one of us it is an exciting time amen as god has called you here for such a time as this. I want to tell you, it's no mistake that you're here today, man. You say, well, we're just visiting. No, you're not. God makes no mistakes, amen. He's called us together for such a time as this. And I want to tell you, we already have a footprint from the great foundation that Brother Kirby was talking about, which has been laid, but hallelujah, amen, God has called us to increase that footprint in this church, in this community, and upon this world, amen. And God will use you and I to do that, amen, because we are the hands, the eyes, the ears, the feet, and the very mouthpiece of Jesus Christ, amen. God dwells in us. All will just go to the Lord in prayer this morning and ask him to bless this message, this word. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we desire your spirit today, your anointing, your touch upon this word, Lord God. We know that it shall not return void. For those that were seeking answers today, Lord God, you shall give them. For those that are seeking love today, Lord God, you shall give it. For those that are seeking knowledge and truth in the inward parts, it shall arrive by you Lord, anoint me as your speaker, your preacher, your pastor today, Lord, at this moment, at this hour. Let me speak clearly, simply, Lord God. And let truth register, Lord God. Let us acquiesce into your will today and respond to your good news. It is all by your anointing which breaks the yoke. We ask it and believe it and receive it today in the precious name of Jesus, our Savior. And everyone said, amen, amen. Come on, give him one more hand clap of praise. Mm. Thank Brother Kirby for those very kind words. And church, he is exactly correct this morning. There's been a tremendous amount of sacrifice that has been given through the years here leading up into this moment. And it's not about me. It's about God. It's about you and it's about what God is doing within you, is going to do within you. And I want to tell you today, the only thing that is going to limit what God does in your life is you. If you will give him access, he will move far above anything you ever thought or dreamed possible. If you will give the Lord access, if you will let go of the world, you will grasp hold of Jesus Christ and as you grasp hold of him it will not just be for a fleeting moment come on he's not slippery that he just slips through our fingers when you truly grasp hold of Christ and he grasped hold of you the word of God gives us a powerful truth a powerful promise that he will never leave us nor forsake us and he will never let us go is that not wonderful to think about? That our God loves us so much, He gives us those tender mercies, amen? That word tender mercies, I've told you what it meant before, but it's a special time. It's only a small moment what is called a tender mercy, and it is right after the mother has given birth to that child. It does not matter what the child looks like, It does not matter the health of the child. It does none of that matters to that mother. They immediately swaddle that child and they immediately hand the child back to the mother. They do that on purpose. And as that mother takes hold of her baby, the Bible tells us that is the definition of tender mercy. There's nothing else that matters in the world. There's nothing more valuable. There's nothing more powerful. There's nothing greater than that love at that moment that mother has for that child. And the Bible tells us, hallelujah, that the Lord gives us tender mercies. Church, isn't it that wonderful to think about? Come on, you need some love today? Come on, I know all you tough Christians. Who need some love today? Amen. Amen. It's exactly what we're going to talk about this morning, is the power of forgiveness. The power of forgiveness. Turn with me in your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke chapter 7. We're going to start off at verse 36 this morning. Now if you were here with us last Sunday morning, I preached on the face of grace and predominantly that was around forgiveness. Y'all remember Forgiveness is one of the things that salvation instantly gives unto us is that you and I have been forgiven of our sins and our trespasses. Now, that does not mean that we don't constantly ask forgiveness because the Bible tells us if we confess our sins, then He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1 and 9, it tells us that. So there's a constant asking the Lord to forgive us. But I want to tell you, your position this morning, if you know Him as your personal Lord and Savior, is that you have been forgiven. And if you have been placed into the body of Christ, if you dwell in Christ, and Christ also dwells in you, I want to tell you your position in Jesus Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father because we know that is where Jesus Christ is, amen? He is at the right hand of the Father. So therefore, if our position is in Jesus Christ, our heavenly position is in Christ, we are at the right hand of the Father. But I want to tell you, your condition down here on this earth, it's up and it's down, it's hard, it's difficult, it's dirty, it's nasty, but hallelujah, through God's grace, amen, you and I can persevere. We can be overcomers through Christ Jesus. So I want to shore this up just a bit this morning talking about forgiveness because I want to tell you something. We have a cancer in the body of Jesus Christ. We have many cancers. One of those cancers is unforgiveness. We are a hard, hard people. We are a difficult people. But the Bible tells us if we don't learn how to forgive, how can we ever be forgiven? And it's not just us forgiving others for their trespasses against us and the things they've done, but the Bible also tells us that you and I can look back on our own history, look back on our own sin, look back on all the things we've done wrong, which is a multitude of sins, as the Bible tells us. And a lot of times, you and I cannot truly ever forgive ourselves. I was just telling a sister just about a week or so ago, having this conversation, talking about self-condemnation. How we condemn ourselves. We have these thoughts we don't even tell. How can God ever love someone like me? How can God ever forgive someone like me? How can anyone ever get close to me? They don't know truly what I got going in my life. They don't know truly how bad I am. They don't know truly what I've done. How could I ever be forgiven? I want to tell you this morning to start off this message. God is no respecter of persons. Amen. He will forgive you to the uttermost. In fact, hallelujah, the Bible tells us that when he forgives us, he casts our sins as far as the east is from the west. The Apostle Paul would speak about how powerful this was in his life. The Apostle Paul was a zealous man for the Lord. He was actually hunting down Christians and having them killed because he thought he was doing a great work for God. He was very zealous. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. In the early church, he had had them hunted down and killed. He had had them killed for their faith in Jesus Christ. But we know the Lord appeared unto him on the road to Damascus, blinded him and said, Paul, why do you persecute me? Why do you kick against the priest? Why are you doing all this? And we know that he had a great conversion experience unto Jesus Christ who became his personal Lord and Savior. But those would come against him and they would say things to Paul trying to bring up his past. Paul, who had men murdered, understood the true power of forgiveness. Paul would respond to them in this fashion. You think of this. You think if I would have had one of your family members killed, you would come to me and say, you're trying to do this and you're trying to do that, but it is your fault that my mother and my brother were killed because of you. And the Apostle Paul, understanding the power of forgiveness would look at them in their face and say, I have wronged no man. Now how could a person say something like this, that he's wronged no man when he was the reason that that person was killed? It is because Paul had truly been converted unto Jesus Christ. He was a new creation in Christ Jesus. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 5.17 that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, all things have passed away. Everything has become new. Paul would say that was the old sinful Paul that did that. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. I have been forgiven. Brother Cobb, I've been forgiven. Therefore, I have never done you any wrong. Church, is that not understanding forgiveness this morning? You and I have to also come to that place. Let me tell you something. Don't you ever let anybody try and bring up your past and condemn you. If God has changed you, God has resurrected you, God has changed you, you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. I don't want to hear about Joey the old sinner because Joey is now a saint of God. Not by anything that Joey did. But by what Joey believed, it is by the power of God, hallelujah, that I have been forgiven, I have been resurrected, I have been changed. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. Let's look at that this morning, and let's look at the power of forgiveness, the power of forgiveness, what that power truly is. Y'all bear with me as I talk a bit fast this morning. I want to cover all these verses with you this morning. Verse 36 in Luke chapter 7. And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meat. He sat down to food. So we see a man of the law, a Pharisee, a professional man of the law, a minister, as a lot of them would call them in their day, or they should have been, invites Jesus Christ over to his home. Now, one of my favorite verses in the entire Word of God is Revelation 3 and 20. It says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in unto him, and I will sup with him and him with me. It's a powerful verse talking about Christ. Being at the very doors of our heart, constantly knocking, constantly calling from the outside, saying, hey, I'm outside, I'm the Lord God Almighty, I got some good news, I got something you need to hear, would you please let me into the place that you are living? You and I should also have a strong desire not to try and hide things from the Lord. In fact, that's a great question. Would you be embarrassed if Jesus Christ in the flesh walked into your house? Maybe things aren't as they should be. Maybe you should think about that. This man invited Christ over to his home, to his house, to his abode, not for the right reasons, but for the wrong reasons. But we're going to see even in this, hallelujah, God makes no mistake. You know, he can take everything that we even meant for bad, he can make it good. He can take even your selfishness and your greed and your lust, and we all have them, he can turn it to good. I was always a passionate person. Always, always, always. Whatever I did, I was passionate. Just like I am now in the faith. Running around crazy. Woo! Whatever I did. It didn't matter. Sports, life, just passion, passion, passion. In fact, my friend Daniel Martin, who's also a minister, he said, Man, if Joey ever gets saved, what's God going to do with him? Because I was passionate. But I was passionate for the wrong things. I was passionate for my life. I was passionate for my sports. I was passionate for me. But see, God can take that and he can change that. He can take that passion that he originally put in there and he can turn it for good. So now, you know what I'm most passionate for? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, hallelujah. Come on, give him some praise, my Lord. Mm. He can take it and change it for good. And verse 37 says this, And behold, a woman in the city which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment. Now we don't exactly know. Most people said, oh, she was a prostitute, and this was Mary Magdalene. No, this was Mary of Bethany. This was another person. Let me tell you something. I don't research this out. They don't exactly know who this Mary was. Mary was a name like Joe nowadays, okay? So it was a very common name. Simon was another common name. We do see another instance where a woman washes his feet with her hair. We're about to see that in a moment, but it's even a separate instance because it says you were in Simon the leper's house. Well, this man is a Pharisee, and his name is also Simon. So it was a common name, and we don't exactly know who this woman was. Let me tell you something. It doesn't matter who she was, just like I preached to y'all last Sunday. This woman is you. This woman could be you because we are all sinners in need of the touch and the love of a Savior. We all need forgiveness for our wrongdoings. But she had heard that he was in the house. She was probably following him around out there on the street just trying to get close to Jesus. I want to tell you this morning, if you've been trying to get close to the Lord... Keep trying because I want to tell you, God will always, always, always open up that opportunity for you to get close to Him. And it may be the most unexpected time and the most unexpected places, but God will open that door for you to get close to Him. Oh, that word was for somebody this morning. Amen. That was for one of you in here today. And verse 38 says, by the way, this alabaster box, what it was? It was like a dowry. It was like a gift they would use for a wedding. It was a dowry gift. This is probably all that she had. It was a very expensive. In today's currency, it was believed it would cost anywhere from 3000 to $6,000. It was like a perfume. It was a dowry. It was a very expensive gift that they would give. And they would break this box. I don't have time to get into all that, but she brought all that she had her most valuable, amen? And verse 38 says this. And she stood at his feet behind him weeping. So it tells us that he was invited into this man's home and there was couches at that time. The couches would be like our couches today but they would have no back on them. So if this was a couch it would not have a back on it in their day and what they would do they would recline on one of the arms and they would stretch their feet out and there was usually no back on those couches and that's how they would sit on those couches. So Christ's feet would have been stretched out to the side here to where she could see them. This woman mourning access unto the Lord, seeing that God was everything that she needed, everything that she desired, everything to rectify, everything that was wrong in her life allowed her to approach Him. See, true forgiveness hinges on two things. It first hinges on the Lord even though we're full of sin even though we're dirty even though we're filthy, even though we're nasty the Lord allows sinners to approach Him and touch Him and then the second piece of true forgiveness is contingent upon us not only knowing this but truly believing and stepping out in faith so that we can come to the Lord seeking His touch and seeking His forgiveness, which is going to lead to our cleansing and our restoration. If you don't have those two things present, then the Lord will condemn you to a devil's hell for an eternity. And the Bible says that one day He will be that judge that will do that. And if you don't believe truly that you can approach the Lord, that you're not worthy then you are never going to step out in true faith and come to the Lord. See, the Bible says we come to Him now in the New Testament with our hearts. Amen? So this woman saw and believed that even though they were murmuring about her, even though they were talking about her, even though they were casting her down, they were casting her strange looks, probably the owner of the home wanted to stand up and say, what are you doing in my house, you sinner? You need to get out and leave right now because he was full of self-righteousness. Did you know that Christ came into the world to save the whole world come on he came to rescue those that are destitute those that are lonely those that are needy those that need him and i want to tell you we all need him amen we all need him she truly believed that she had access to the lord even though she was a sinner when you don't truly believe that you have access to forgiveness you are then going to self-condemn yourself, and there will be no power that comes through the mode and operation of forgiveness, which we'll get to in just a second. Y'all still with me this morning? Amen. And she stood at his feet behind him, weeping. I want to tell you this. You know what this woman was beginning to do? Because she had access to the Lord, because He allowed her to get close unto Him, because He gave her that access, and she believed that access was available unto her, she started to do something which all of you and I have to begin to do, and that is to fall in love with the Lord more and more and more. What's that little song they sing? I'm falling in love with Him over and over again. Anybody know it? Well, it's a kid's song, right? Is it? That sounds like an adult song. That's what she began to do. She began to just gaze upon the Lord. Despite her circumstances, despite her surroundings, despite all the looks, despite what people thought, despite how she smelled, despite how dirty she was, despite all of that, the more she got closer to the Lord, she just began to break down. You see, love began to form inside of her, and she began to weep the more she gazed upon the Lord. But as love began to grow inside of her, she noticed some things about the Lord that had been done unto him that she sought now to rectify, not because it was her place to do it, but because she loved him that much. Mm. And it says this. She stood behind him weeping in verse 38 and began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head. Come on, she didn't have nothing but her own tears and her own hair and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. She broke the alabaster box and she anointed his feet. But look at how self-righteousness here will interfere with forgiveness. You ever notice most of the time while you're at odds with somebody and it goes on for years and years? you got an argument with a brother or sister or a family member or your wife or whatever. You know why it goes on? for years and years and years? Because you think you're right. That's why it goes on for so long. And the other person thinks they're right. By God, we'll make up whenever they say they apologize for what they did to me because so-and-so did this. It's going to last forever. Self-righteousness. Self-righteousness. This is what the Pharisee begins to think. Now, when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spoke within himself. Come on, we can have this in church, amen? What if some of you have been seeking for a miracle, a blessing, and you've been coming here 30 years? And sister so-and-so walks up here after two services and gets delivered and healed.
1: Hmm.
0: Boy, did I just hit you right there. Well, how dare that person come in here all skimpy dressed and got... Touched by the Lord. I've been seeking that for 20 years. Instead of this man seeing God allowing a sinner to approach him, self righteousness comes up. And so now the forgiveness that was going to be administered unto her could not be administered unto him because self righteousness was preventing forgiveness from coming. And if there was no forgiveness, there was going to be no power that followed. Y'all still with me? He spoke within himself, and then when he saw it, he spoke within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that touches him, because she is a sinner. Thank the Lord. (laughs) And the Lord reads his mind. Let me tell you something. Whatever you got in your closet... The Lord already knew it was there before you put it there. Y'all hearing me this morning? You're not hiding nothing from the Lord. And if you're running from the Lord this morning, you're not running because He's chasing you. Amen? Nothing is hidden from the eyes of the Lord. Every even thought of your heart is exposed. The Bible tells us in Jeremiah chapter 17 that the Lord knows our hearts better than we do. My Lord. It says our own hearts will deceive us all the way to a devil's hell. But the Lord tries our heart. He knows our hearts even better than us. That's the God we serve. And I thank the Lord for it that we cannot hide anything from Him. Because then we would think we were clever, wouldn't we? You ever notice when you're clever, you think you're smarter than that person? No. I, they didn't realize that, that happened. Never mind. Let me preach to this side over here. Verse 40. And Jesus, answering, said unto him, Simon, I have something to say unto you. And he says unto him, Master, say on. probably sarcastically, like, go ahead, Mr. Prophet, tell me what you've got to say. Verse 41, there was a certain creditor which had two debtors that one owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, which one of them will love him the most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that to he to whom he forgave the most. And he said unto him, You have rightly judged. And he turned to the woman, and he said unto Simon, Do you see this woman? Now, I can imagine what this woman must have been thinking. As Christ turns all the attention to her. When Christ turns all the attention to you, it's a good thing. It's a good thing when Christ turns the attention unto you in Just edified when it occurs, but everyone there is edified. Amen. Do we not want to hear from the Lord today? Hmm. He turned to the woman and he said, Do "You see this woman? I entered into your house, and you gave me no water for my feet. It was custom that for guests, they, because of a very dusty, arid area, that they would wash their feet when they would come into their home." But she has washed my feet with tears and has wiped them with the hairs of her head. You gave me no kiss. It was customary to kiss on the cheek, to greet someone very similar to how we have a handshake today. You gave me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came in here, has not ceased to kiss my feet. My head, which was like a perfume, my head with oil you did not anoint, which was also customary. But this woman has anointed my feet with her precious ointment. Listen to this. Wherefore, I say unto you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. The true power of forgiveness is not in the act of forgiveness. It's that once forgiveness is granted, is given, now love can grow and prosper. The true power of forgiveness is love manifested in our lives. Brother Joy, why is that so important? I'll tell you why it's so important. Love is the greatest thing in this universe. In fact, it tells us that God is love. Love is what keeps you with your spouse. Love is what keeps you working for your children in their future. Love is what would cause you to get on a plane and go to the North Pole to pick up a child that was sick. Love is what will take you through the fire. Love is what will keep you holding that person's hand when cancer has them on the deathbed. Love is not vaulted up. Love is not puffed up. Love, it tells us, will never fail. So the most powerful thing that can ever be given to you and I is love manifested. Hallelujah. So therefore, when we are truly forgiven, even of ourselves, we say, God, if I can just get close to you, I believe, Lord, I'm not worthy, but you will forgive me. Lord, can I have access to you for all of my trespasses and the things I continue to do? If we could just get to the Lord and believe it's to us, forgiveness can be given and love and be manifested in your life. Can we get some praise on that this morning? Hallelujah. Those that love the most understand and have been forgiven of much. There's not self-condemnation there. There's not the world holding you back. It's certainly not the Lord holding you back. God is the giver of forgiveness. And you now can walk in that. You can live Look at this woman right here. Verse 48, And he turns and he says unto her, Your sins are forgiven. And they that said it meet with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgives sins also? And he said unto the woman again, Your faith has saved you. Go now in peace. By faith she believed that she was full of sin and dirty and filthy and nasty like all of us are, but she believed not based off of her own arrogance, but on God's mercy, that she could approach the Lord, and therefore she could have something in her life that was greater than anything else, which was love. Not just love given to others, but a love of herself to where she said, you know, I am all these things, but God loves me and therefore He's forgiven me. I love myself. There's power in love. It's greater than everything else, but I want to tell you, you may not have as much power in your life because you have truly not been forgiven and that could be through several reason, including your own self condemnation. The Bible tells us there's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. And then you and I now walk after the Spirit. Would you stand with us this morning, Amen? Just for a few moments today, I ask Brother Billy to come back. We give you an opportunity to respond unto God's Word today. Thirsty, you need more love, more power, amen, functioning and flowing in your life. If you'll seek it today, God will grant it. Maybe you came in today, maybe you're just visiting, and you heard the gospel, the good news. What's the good news? It's that Jesus Christ died and came for you. say that with me this morning. He died and came for me. For me. For me. For me. Hallelujah. Altars are open today. Come on, do you need a touch from the Lord today? Do you need a touch from your Savior, your lover, your fighter, your provider? Oh, would you come meet Him at this altar this morning? As He calls unto you, the Word just speaks through all time, through all eternity. It pierces the hardness of our hearts. It grasps our minds and brings us to attention. God speaks to us individually. Has He spoken to you today? Has He been knocking on your heart this morning? Will you respond unto Him today? Come on, don't leave here without it. I promise you when you get in that vehicle and drive off, it will not be the same. I promise it will not. Would you come unto Him today? Oh, hallelujah. Let it, rain. let it rain in our marriages let
2: it,
0: let it rain in our relationships with you, Lord God Let it rain in our kids' lives Let it, let it rain. rain in our grandchildren's lives Let, it, let rain it rain in our church, Lord God Oh, in our hearts that would be overflowing Let it rain today, Lord God Let it rain, Lord God Lord, we cry unto you today, Lord, with a passion, with a hunger, with a thirst, as a people, as a body today. Let it rain, O oh Lord God. Every thought, every circumstance, every physical ailment today, every bit of unforgiveness, every bit of doubt, Every bit of hindrance today. Let it rain, Lord God. Let it rain. Glory. Let it Glory, rain. Lord God. Let it rain,
2: Lord. Open the floodgates of shed sure. Worship you with all of my heart, and I will worship you with all of my mind, and I will worship you with all of my strength.
0: the refiner's fire. It's a hard and difficult place to be. When Moses approached the burning bush, he wanted to get closer to see what it was. He wanted to get closer. And as he approached, the Lord said, Take your shoes off for you're standing on holy ground. The refiner's fire, it's a hard, difficult place to be, but it's for your good. I want to tell you that you are in the refiner's fire and God is refining us. He's bringing all of that dross into the top so that you may be made into pure gold. But as Moses got to the burning bush, He saw a bush. He saw a tree. He saw something that was alive, but it was on fire. And what was alive in the midst of the fire was not consumed by the fire. You see, that is you and I. We are, hallelujah, those bushes. And as God sets our hearts on fire... We are not consumed by the fire, amen. We are alive within the fire, hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Church, don't forget, church tonight, 6 o'clock, please come back and join us. Have a good lunch, have a good dinner with your family. God bless you all this morning, hallelujah. Hallelujah.